When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a special transfer window roundup edition of Blakey's Boot Room here on uh, Wales Online. Paula Bandonato and Nathan Blake in the studio, as always, to talk about all the things that happened and perhaps all the things that didn't happen uh, on transfer deadline day earlier this week. Paul, uh, we said a couple of weeks ago it was all threatening to be a bit underwhelming, but it, but it really was underwhelming. No, nobody in on deadline day, uh, a, a few faces out on loan. Uh, what, what did you make of the business Cardiff have done this month? Extremely underwhelming. Uh, remember, we're used to a Cardiff club who, whatever the merits of the signings, have actually pushed the boat out um, down the years in recent times to uh, excite us with signings. Um, who they brought in? They brought in Greg Halford, who, with respect, is a bit of a not journeyman, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> um, Alan McGregor has come in. I don't want to be horrible here, but he looks like a poor man's David Marshall, to be honest with you. I thought it was Conor McGregor. Just a joke, just a joke, Al. <laughs> um, mine is as well, Al. But uh, listen, Marshall was badly at fault um, with at least one of the goals, if not both, at Reading. McGregor. McGregor sorry, yeah. McGregor. What did I say there? Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. Sorry, sorry Marshall. We'll have you back, David Marshall. Marshall. We'll have you back, Marshall. Um, so there's work to be done there. Um, Underwhelming, to be honest with you, John, is, is the way I would describe it. Yeah. Not mm, but, but maybe not surprising, Nathan? Um, a little surprising, I have to say, yes. Although I did say, I thought, and I've repeatedly said this, I thought this transfer window could make or break the relationship between Tal and Warnock. And um, for me, it's not broken it, but... Oh, thank goodness for that. It's put extreme pressures on it because now it's all about the summer. Mm, and he keeps on saying that, Neil Warnock. Yeah, well, that and he repeatedly good. said about January, didn't he? Yeah. Leading up to January, it was, we need to get to January, we need to get to January. January has been, as Paul says, extremely underwhelming. And um, I think um, May, I think you probably by, say, the end of the playoff final, end of May, start of June, you'll have a good idea of what's going to happen in the summer and, you know, it could it could all be changed again because I think if uh, Neil Warnock doesn't feel that he's got what I call serious backing where he can actually plan yeah, and strategize, I think if it's a case of, you know, on a bit of a whim, on a bit of a promise, maybe yeah maybe no and you can pick up him for 200 grand or him for 500 grand but when you're going for the serious type of you know because you've said three or four you know top players they're going to cost money and I think that's where the problem lies I think that's where they're going to have a a disagreement shall we say Mm. I mean Cardiff were linked with a few players Paul uh, on and around deadline day Matty Taylor from Bristol Rovers the Johnny Hayes saga which we think involved three Bids that weren't particularly different, and Aberdeen weren't particularly impressed with that. Uh, the lad Feeney from Black Blackburn was apparently subject to a bid that was Feeney is that the former down. Bolton player as well, little right winger. 
Yeah, I think he went. Yeah, I think he was a Bolton player originally. Went to Blackburn, right. I think. Yeah. Um, my answer to that is, I'm glad they all fell through. Because <laughs> Cardiff do not need that sort of journeyman. We've been well, yeah. no, not journeyman, but they've got wide players with talent already. And Hoylett, mm. Harris, Pilkington is there. Noon is there. They've got these players. As we've said before, Cardiff need a centre forward. They need a really creative number ten just behind him or to play with him. And they need a bossy midfielder. They don't need those sorts of players like John Hayes. So I'm actually glad it's fallen through because I think it would have been a waste of money. Personally. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What, about, what about the players who went out then? Emmy Hughes went to Ipswich on loan. Matty Kennedy to Plymouth on loan. Stuart O'Keefe uh, quietly slipped away to MK Dons on loan. Obviously LaFondra who's been missing in action for, for some time. Uh, disappointed? Any of those that you, you think? Oh, I'm disappointed to see him mm, not here. No, I thought they would have. I thought Keith would have gone to a bigger club. Mind, I thought Kennedy. That's uh, no disrespect to MK Dons. I mean, in a higher league, I thought Championship at least. Uh, Kennedy the same. I thought you know um, Plymouth okay, big league two club, but you know it it it, it kind of highlights the. The situation at Cardiff at the moment, like we continue to say, we don't seem to sign anyone and get more money for them. It's become like a bit of a, uh, a, a player graveyard where players come and then their careers seem to decrease and go backwards. So the club never finds itself in a position of making green, making money. They're always losing money and whether that's I don't know, the transfer policy, the transfer committee, I don't know, but they never... I'd be interested to see the last time they bought a player or raised a player through the ranks and then sold him for for more money. I I still maintain, I think it's probably Aaron Ramsey. Hmm. Hmm. What what about any of those names for you, Paul, who left? Well, I've said before and I'll say it again, I, I... Look, I'll be honest with Stuart O'Keefe, I never got it with him. Um, Cardiff fans raved about him when he played a couple of games last season under Russell Slade. Job in midfielder for me. I, I want more from a midfielder than that, to be honest with you. Although Blake, you know, he does have Premier League. Emir Hughes, I cannot understand because there is a player who I really thought had talent. We've been through this before. He had the physical attributes, he could score goals. I've seen him play really well at the highest level for Wales. I don't know what's gone wrong there. I have no answers to that one. But Do you know, sometimes, Paul, sometimes it is literally that the manager just doing that fancy. He doesn't even see you. He's seen you play. He's seen you play well. There's no doubt that Neil Warnock would have seen Emir play well for his country and for other clubs. But it just, it just doesn't fit. But no, I've had it myself in my career. But not even Paul Trollope seemed to fancy him, and he signed it. Yeah, well, so they, 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 well they. he's never settled anywhere, is he? Yeah, since he turned up at Cardiff. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, then you have to look at the player more than mm. the process, I think, because, uh, you know, it comes a stage when you say, okay, not everyone can have the same opinion, and you be the, the common, one common denominator, you know? He, he has got a get the grips of his career and, and understand that you know football is a serious business and uh, if you're going to play you had a similar situation with Patrick Bamford recently you know going club to club to club and not playing any games but what happens is you get there and then you don't perform you just expect things to happen and be done and I always say you don't get given an opportunity you earn your opportunity 
And then once you've earned your opportunity, you have to then, you know, tie that place down so your performance level has to stay at the, you know, I always say a seven out of ten. Mm. And I don't think Emir's I mean, even got close to that. Yeah, with regards to those departures, Cardiff have got enough central midfielders, just like they've got enough wide players. Um, they've got Gunnison, they've got Whittingham, they've got Rowles. What they need, as, as I said, a you know a really bossy one and a really really good creative creative attacking midfielder. Mm. I'd have liked to have seen Jordan Much come back in this transfer. And I think there's a player who they got and they may have sold for a profit there I can't remember what happened there now there's yeah, so many ins and outs now. I think he might have been sold you know, for like 3 million um, I think so much has now gone elsewhere it would have been nice to see him come back he's got a Brighton he, or something like that has he has he gone to Brighton Redding. or Reading Reading, 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 Reading. Reading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was one of them on the charge so you know he's going to be involved in a side pushing for promotion um, but it's it's not to be it's not to be mm-hmm. what do we make of these comments from Neil Warnock today then he's he, Basically, said it's Cardiff's own fault that they missed out on signing plays because they they dithered, they hesitated, and he's, he's said today he's asked today for the club for Vincent Tan to to trust him more, to give him the responsibility for things like transfers, suggesting, hinting that the transfer committee that we we all know exists doesn't <laughs> doesn't work. There's too many people involved, is what he, what he said. And. He's right. There's also a time difference involved, obviously, because Vincent Town's on the transfer yep, committee yep. and you have to factor in the Malaysian time difference, mm-hmm. which may have caused some of this dithering and dallying, which, which Neil Warnock may or may not be talking about. It's a big call to ask Vincent Town to trust his manager again after Vincent Town feels, rightly or wrongly, that multi-millions have been wasted how long are you going to let that carry on though Paul that is my point you've got to let it go how long have you how long will Vincent Tan play that card for because it it, it, like I said to say that he's of no responsibility in that situation is madness he got to share some of the responsibility but how long do you beat every manager up with that same argument you can't at some point You've got to say then, either, right, I'm off, it's up for sale, then, or you've got to say, right, I know I'm not going to get stung like that again, because I've got certain people and certain processes in place, which will stop that from ever happening to me again, because I trust Paul, I trust John, and they're the people who are in charge, and they relate things back to me, and then I then say, okay, yeah, I give them the nod. And the business gets done. We can't keep bringing that one and saying, Margie Mackay, Margie Mackay. Oh, what are we, 2017 now? <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? But I think whether you're right or wrong with that argument, um, and you're probably right, mm. as always, mm. um, it's not just Malky, it's Ollie as well, Ollie and Solskjaer. Mm. The fact is that he has been stung by it, and so he has put in place this system to say so that he now does have a say on mm. it which he didn't have in those times when you say that he should be, he should be taking the blame for it because he signed the cheques anyway. So he now has a say in it. Mm. Um, but what does he know about it? Well, this is... That's the problem for me. Mm. And that's why I say he should be advised by someone who, rather than go and getting someone from his own profession to come in and advise him on players, get someone from the profession that you're looking into. It's like if I'm buying a car, I'll go to a mechanic and say, can you check the engine for me? I won't go to a butcher and say, have a look at that car for me, mate. But but whatever the merits of the argument, I don't think 
Cardiff are going to change their stance at the moment because they have painstakingly moved to set up this transfer committee. They talk highly of their transfer committee for good or for bad. <laughs> um, and I can't see... Who's on the transfer committee? The chairman, the owner, the chief executive. So three people the, already you've named who have never, manager, have never been manager, involved in football. The manager. As in Neil Warnock? Yes. Okay. It was Russell Slade. Okay. It's so it's, it's him one against three people who don't know football, who don't understand football, who couldn't spot a player, who couldn't say to you whether or not that will fit into that system because I understand how he plays, I understand what you're trying to do, Neil. So, yeah, that all comes together. Yeah, that makes, a good, that makes manager, sense. The manager identifies the players and the others work out the economics of it, basically. Right. So they just work out the financial package and whether it's affordable rather than... Is that player good for our club? That's the point I'm trying to. No, I think that they will. They will also have their own tip-offs through the football world, won't they? About particular individuals. More um, people who don't know and understand so football, <laughs> <laughs> like at Notts Forest, for instance. I mean, maybe you know, maybe in terms of the bigger picture of all this, though, I hope there's not a little a worrying little divide opening up here because this is not the first time Neil Warnock has said something. I'm not saying they are veiled threats from him, but. He spoke a couple of weeks ago about, you know, well, I'm 68, I'm not going to be in this next season for no reason. He's making them every week. He's he's telling you what's coming. There's a little bit of a a divide building here, isn't there? And I don't like the the sound of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think we'll do well if he's still here next season. I thought we'd do well if he's still here till the end of this season. And the fact that he's stayed with the transfer window just closing and what activity has gone on at Cardiff, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that he stayed. But whether he'll stay another transfer window and accept that, I think not. Do you know what, Nathan? Maybe the passion of the... He's spoken about my kind of club, my kind of people. Maybe the passion of the Cardiff fans is winning him over at the moment mm. and enabling to think, well, you know, I haven't had my way here, but there's something special going on here and let's try and fight through this and... Mm come up with plan B instead of plan A if mm. you like you mm. know mm. how long does we give that though you know he's probably going to be you've got to you've got to understand that I would have thought his views would be shorter than most managers mm. because he doesn't need it then it's not yeah. a need it's not a necessity plus he knows if he walks out the door tomorrow there's going to be a queue of clubs waiting to re-sign him so how long is that wick you know Burn for me. I've I've said a long Cardiff need to get the fundamentals uh, all over the place, and one man coming in wasn't going to fix it. But what you have to do is work with that man to try and gain a better understanding of what it is you're trying to produce. Be a major change to dispense with the transfer committee. It would be a major U-turn from the club to do that. Not the first U-turn they've done in recent times, but it would be another major one for them to do. Here's something. The academy, I've always criticised because of the coaching standards and what have you. They scored a 40 goal, right. 40 pass goal the other day, yeah, though, yeah, Nate. Yeah. It was Lord beautiful of, to watch. of averages, Paul. I've seen kids score hat-trick in 10 minutes. Doesn't mean to say he's going to be a top player. OK. Anyway, go on, I interrupted you. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, he did, and uh, I've lost my totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> you were talking about much. the academy. Yeah, I was saying the academy, which has had major problems in developing players to go on to first team level, 
and I've always said what you've got is a lot of academic coaches yep. and it's being run by people who don't really understand the game as they should. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a transfer committee who doesn't understand the game as they should. Neither has provided anything of use. So maybe there's something in what I'm saying, as in having people who understand the game better, have a better understanding. I'm not saying you have to play the game. Yeah. I honestly, I'm not. Because some of the best managers in the world haven't played the game. But if you, you, you've got to accept that you've got to learn the game. It's not just from a book. You have to learn the game and understand the game far better. Because you've got an academy that hasn't produced, losing money at one end. And a, a first team transfer committee, whatever you want to call it, bringing in players and players are dying and losing money at the other end. So you've got both ends of the scale, you're losing money rather than your academy producing players. Even if those players don't make first team players, you can sell on to the likes of Ipswich for 200 grand or a million pound or your Leighton Orient or your, 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 I don't know, your MK Dons. You can make money. 200 grand, 300 grand. So you keep generating money. The academy stays in the green. You know, not all your signings are going to work at first team level, but we do need a better ratio on those who are successful, I think. Because at the moment, the club's just losing money. It lo loses so much money. Mm. Okay. Let's talk Kenneth Zahor, because he is a player who was effectively... Mm. Well, was brought in by the transfer committee by the people yeah. uh, we're talking about here. Um, didn't look like he was going to be any good, but he's turning out all right. What do we make of the goal? Being dubbed the best goal at Cardiff City Stadium, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> what a goal. I don't know where that came from. I really don't know. For those who haven't seen the goal, um, he's in his own half in the centre circle, towards the edge of the centre circle, like close to, to, as close as possible to McGregor's goal within the centre circle as you could be. Um, collected it there, took it forward, had three Preston players around him, sort of flicked it almost Cristiano Ronaldo style between two of them and went on, went forward, raced away from all three of them, kept bore down on goal and even at that point then had the composure to beautifully chip it Lionel Messi style into the far corner of the goal now I've mentioned Ronaldo and Messi tongue in cheek there of course but it was a staggering goal I, I don't I didn't know that Kenneth Zorro had that in him it was it was is that why it's such a good goal it was like watching Gareth Bale score a goal like that it really was there I've mentioned Bale Ronaldo <laughs> and Messi now Kenneth so your transfer values through the roof um it was extraordinary. It reminded me it of Maradona's goal against England. Blakey's being facetious. I'm not. Right? Um, yeah, we ran a poll online um, to ask whether that goal. There've been some crackers at Cardiff City mm. Stadium. I mean, there, there was a there was a magnificent Peter Whittingham volley from about thirty yards against mm. Barnsley a few years back. There were some crackers from Craig Bellamy and Jay Bothroyd. Um, there was Gareth Bale's solo goal for Wales against Iceland when he was rugby tackled off the pitch and still managed to score a solo goal. Um, but Zahoras came in as the number one vote with something like 33% of the poll. Now, obviously, the natural reaction is you vote for the thing that's the fresh in the recent, memory. Of yeah, course you do. Yeah. We understand that. It was, it was a stunning goal. I didn't know the bloke had it in him. I've got to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I know Nathan's talked him up saying that... Um, 
Picardus version of Rondon, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, said. yeah, yeah. Reminds me of him a lot. Yeah. He has done things occasionally in games which have surprised me. And then we saw him against Burton and he was completely anonymous. Completely mm. anonymous. So I don't want this boom or bust, you know. There's yeah, gonna, I think know, that's the problem. And, do you know, understanding that striker position and playing it on your own is so difficult, really. Because when you think about it, think. If you're Ricky Lambert and you're playing up front on your own, the players know you're only going to come to feet and everything's yeah. going to be played into you. However, if you're Zahor, you've got to come into feet, you've got to go over the top, yeah. in behind, yeah. you've got to battle people, jump people, you can win the aerial battles because of your size, because of your stature. So there will come times, I think, where he will go three or four games looking the part and then he'll dip for a game or two. Right. Because of the constant... Yeah. You know, it's it's basically he's leading the front line. Yeah. And it's him against, first that, two defenders. Yeah. Sometimes three defenders. Yeah. And it is so difficult. Yeah. And it yeah. takes so much out of you. Yeah. If you can imagine, if you're playing alongside another midfielder or another two strikers, you share the burden, you share the load... You know, plus you're expected then, as the centre forward, to put pressure on the deep midfielder when you haven't got the ball. So, you, you, mate, I've played it, and it yeah. is if you could. Listen, if you're like Johnny Hartson and less mobile, you're not asked to do as much defensively because they know it tires you. So you're saved for when we have the ball. However, if you're more mobile and can run, but have the physical attribute as well and the aerial attribute. You're asked to do everything, as in in behind, come short, in the air, hold up the ball, mm. people in the play, you know, one twos. You you you're at every point of the game, and it it it's physically, it is very demanding to do that Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. It is difficult. See, now I'll come in on that because that 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 resonates with me because I I remember speaking to John Hartson when he was playing for Wales about this this. You know, Mark Hughes brought this system in. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? You played yeah. it. Yeah, it, I played right side like, of it. Yeah. yeah, or sometimes you were up there. I remember on my own on, yeah. on your own over the road at the stadium against uh, Norway. Yeah, remember, and Italy I played against. Yeah. yeah. So, so I remember speaking to John about it as well, and he he was saying to me, Paul, even going up for headers against some of these bruising centre backs can be tiring. Yeah. Um, but Warnock, I spoke to Neil Warnock the morning after the goal, mm. um, and. He said exactly that to me. He said sometimes because Zenit Kenzor has to work so hard mm. on his own up front, mm. something goes from your game. And mm -hmm. in, his, in his case, it's his finishing. Mm -hmm. um, and so they said they've really been working with him, with him behind the scenes. Your mate Ronnie Jepson's been working mm. with him behind the scenes on his finishing. So they mm. see they are seeing an improvement mm. in that. Mm. So fingers crossed that will come. We're not going to get another one to go like that. That's mm. our once no. in a Lifetime. career goal almost, mm. yeah? Mm. Warnock gave it 10 out of 10. He said it was the perfect goal. Mm. I say it was 10 out of 10, the perfect goal. Cardiff fans who voted agree with me, they voted the best goal at the stadium. <laughs> Blakey thinks it's a six. six <laughs> no, no, I think it's a good goal. I think it's a great goal. Uh, but like that's that's like what Paul said in the beginning, you know, people forget the past yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Whittenham's so. volley against Barnsley was unbelievable. Technically unbelievable. Whittenham's goal unbelievable. buries anybody. He, he actually collected it. Somebody I can't remember who it was, but somebody actually 
got it on the chest and actually volleyed it to Whittingham mm. who controlled it on his thigh and then volleyed it in from mm. about 30 yards it was a stunning mm. goal I remember it stunning yeah. goal that came second in the poll I think okay. personally I would have made Gareth Bale number one that goal against Iceland given it was international football he was rugby tackled off the pitch and I just like Gareth Bale yeah I was going to say you <laughs> love Gareth <laughs> <laughs> okay then let's finish with a really quick prediction for the Norwich game on Saturday yes no, difficult win. to say Difficult to say because, you know, I think that's how the season's going to go. Win a couple, lose a couple. So, they're, and they're kind of unpredictable as well. So, mm. let's, let's go, why not? Let's, uh, let's go uh, a 2 0 Cardiff win. I find Cardiff easy to call away from home, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I find them really <laughs> difficult to call at home. Yeah. Re- you know, it's distinctly obvious to say that the game could go any one of three ways, but it genuinely yeah. can with Cardiff at yeah. home. Whereas away, I only see. Well, you don't know what you're going to get, do you, with Cardiff? I, at I think home. there'll be goals in this game. Mm-hmm. I think it could be 3 2 either way. <laughs> either way. I'm going to go 2 0 Cardiff. Good stuff. <laughs> Let's hope you're right. Indeed, let's hope you're right. Okay, thanks, chaps. We will uh, leave it there. Thank you all for listening, as always, and we'll see you again next week. Take care.